Let's explore Dark Side and 10 other spiritual poems. This is Lama Jigme Gyatso. Welcome to Meditate Like a Jedi. Today's first poem, Dark Side. While attending university, I found myself in an authoritative, fundamentalist, religious organization. And, like most facets of patriarchy, they demanded that I relinquish my personal power, promising that in return they would make me a fisher of men. Years passed, and a time came when I explained that their schedule was so demanding it did not give me the opportunities I required to study, and that when I finally did find the time to do so, I would promptly nod off into my texts. Their solution was not to adjust my schedule, but to send me outside to study in the dead of winter, assuring me that the shivering would keep my wani ass awake. I was already disabled when I first encountered that cult, and after years under their thumb, all my disabilities worsened. Like the corruption of a Jedi's flesh when traversing the path of the dark side. Today's second poem, Trick Question. What are the four bases of mindfulness from the Theravadan perspective? First, form or body. Second, sensations, both physical and emotional. Third, mind, both coarse and subtle. As well as fourth, phenomena our conventional circumstances, as well as their subtle attributes of sometimes being stressful and changing and not being the identity that we should cling to. What then? What is the identity that we should embrace? That is a, is a trick question. For the Buddha invites us to let go of all and simply flow from a place of centered spontaneity. Today's third poem, In This Universe. While performing the metta, or loving-kindness meditations, why do we begin by wishing good things for ourselves? Because, evolutionarily speaking, the oldest parts of the three pounds of meat we call a brain are utterly self-serving. By starting with the oldest and deepest parts of our brains, we could create a kind of momentum that makes it easier to cultivate the ability to give a flying fuck about our neighbors the denizens of this planet, whether they walk or crawl or swim or fly 
so please stop exploiting them, and the real or imagined beings of all worlds in this universe. For just as little kids first learned to share by aping their parents' behavior and feeding the food on their plate to their table companions, likewise, the more we wish good things for ourselves, the easier it could become to wish good things for others. Today's fourth poem, No. The, best, the test of a technique may be how effective it is, but you will never know until you apply it consistently, once every morning and once every evening for six and a half consecutive days. Today's fifth poem, Self-Pity. He invited me to come visit his palatial home, come Malibu Way. I thanked him and tried to explain that this body, like a souffle, does not travel well. He asked me how I could bear to live as a prisoner in a disabled shell. I explained, My neighborhood is beautiful, my neighbors are lovely, and my dharma work is interesting and fulfilling. Few things are as effective at squandering a life as resentment, self-pity, and despair. Let us forsake self-pity and choose to be easygoing, like Brad Pitt's character Cliff Booth in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Today's sixth poem returned. I was in junior high, and when mother and father went on vacation, they left sister and myself behind and hired a woman to stay with us. An employee of the private school, sister and I attended. Her boyfriend had a motorcycle, and mother explicitly told me and her that I was not to ride it. Parents left, a babysitter arrived with her new with her boyfriend in tow. The night came when she ordered pizza and asked her boyfriend and myself to pick it up as she handed him the keys to her car. I worked I walked through the cold evening air to babysitter's sedan and noticed that her boyfriend was walking towards his motorcycle. He told me to climb on. When I explained I was not allowed to, he asked me if I was scared. Clearly, that question was manipulative and inappropriate and rather quite effective, for I obediently got on the back of his motorcycle. If I was honest with myself, no less him, I would have explained that I was terrified of my parents' disapproval. But I had neither the self-knowledge nor the self-possession for such an insight, no less confession. When we returned home, the pizza's toppings had sloshed to one side, and it soon became clear to the house-sitter that I had ridden on the back of our boyfriend's motorcycle.
In her worldview, clearly her boyfriend, an adult, was not to blame for coercing me. So she wasted no time of a following day to gossip about me at school and tell my stepfather as soon as he returned. Today's seventh poem, Edgar Allan Poe. In his novel, Fall of the House of Usher, Edgar Allan Poe explored the horror of waking up in one's coffin six feet underground to realize one had been buried alive with no means of escape. How many of our talents are buried alive by circumstances or society or work? And to what degree could the exploration of our talents and interests, or lack thereof, affect our happiness and fulfillment and resilience and well-being? Today's eighth poem, Pollen. It is a bright and beautiful winter's morn, and the pollen is inundating my sinuses like X-wing fighters converging upon the, the Death Star at the Battle of Yavin. Today's ninth poem, The Efficacy of Complexity. One of patriarchy's many lies is that the more complex something is, the more beneficial it is. But that is just a false bill of goods, expensive and ineffective. Leonardo da Vinci wrote that simplicity was the height of elegance. One of the many gifts of matriarchy is the commitment to finding and teaching the easiest and most effective ways of doing things. More than the quickest way to enlightenment, it is the only way to enlightenment. For it is never machinations or manipulations or power that redeem a force user from the dark side but rather the simplicity and ease of wisdom and love. Today's 10th poem, Full Accomplishment. Accumulating a million recitations of the 12-syllable mantra of Padmasambhava over the course of a seven-year retreat does not a fully accomplished teacher make. Collecting 10,000 hours spent in formal meditation over the course of a seven-year retreat does not a meditation master make. Collecting an additional 10,000 hours of formal study over the course of a seven-year retreat does not a Dharma master make, but... Applying these recitations and meditations and contemplations toward the mastery of one's heart and mind, that is the path to full accomplishment. Today's 11th poem, 
Let us not make the mistake of Anakin, who, in his thirst for power and recognition, forgot to train his heart upon the path of wisdom and love and peace. Today's 11th and final poem, Mother's Quips. On picture day at my elementary school, a younger kid asked me for help with his tie. I did a dreadful job of tying it and thought it a lark until my mother quipped later that night. That was not very nice. As a child of the 70s, I would gather with my family in the darkened living room around our glowing television and watch crime shows produced by Quinn Martin. We would watch Mannix and Cannon and the Streets of San Francisco. And whenever a fictional villain would derail his own life with a tragic choice, Mother would mutter, I feel so bad for him. Mother had feet of clay, and a great saint she was not. But her occasional quips watered the seeds of compassion sleeping in my midbrain, like cicadas lying dormant or holocrons waiting to be found. Let us conclude with a simple call to action. This podcast will never have any advertisements, so support us monthly on PayPal and like us on your podcast service to help others find us, just as you found us as well. If meditation has felt impossible or boring or just out of reach, you are welcome to register at buddhajoy.org for the next series of live online meditation class webinars that meet once a week. <laughs>